Welcome to the Kawita Assembly Youth Podcast. Our goal is to equip you to take on the most revolutionary mission known to man. We hope these messages encourage you and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Please like, share, and subscribe. And also don't forget to follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. And now, this week's message from Pastor Matt. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for everything that you've done. God, that is our prayer tonight, that your spirit come down, that your presence fills this room. God, let it be in this place as it is in heaven. God, that is our prayer tonight. God, this song just reminds us of what you're wanting to do in our heart and what you're wanting to do in our lives. God, a miracle can happen now because the spirit is all around. God, the best miracle that can take place tonight is a miracle of salvation. And God, that can happen with anybody. God, it doesn't matter if there's a thousand people here or if there's just one person. All you need is one person with you and a miracle can happen. And their presence is in this place because you are here, God. God, I pray you just continue to be here. And God, I pray you just uh, speak into these students' lives. God, we prepared. God, we've studied. God, we did our due diligence, but God, only you can change lives. God, only you can change hearts. So God, that is what I'm going to ask you to do is to pierce each student's heart and to get into their mind and flood their spirit with your presence, God. God, we're asking for life transformation. And God, I pray you let that happen today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. You guys can be seated. Amen. Isn't that a cool little video? All right. I don't know about you guys, but I am so excited to see you guys' faces. I've seen you guys online. I've seen a couple of you guys in the month of June, but I'm really glad to see you guys. We are starting a new sermon series tonight to go through the month of July, and it's called More Than a Hashtag. We all know what hashtags are, right? You know, you put them on. I don't need to explain. I, you think, I, okay, uh, I'm not going to explain, actually. So, how many of you guys have ever complained about something before? Right? We all feel like complaining sometimes, whether it's uh, if somebody ripped us off, somebody cut us off on road, um, maybe you just went to Chick-fil-A and you didn't get enough waffle fries, and so you want to complain about that. I'm like, what in the world? Why did I not get all of my waffle fries? Like you go and you tell your best friend, and you start to complain about something. In life, we will occasionally find ourselves wanting to complain about how unfairly we've been treated. Even as silly as it is, whether it's because we didn't get enough of or drink, enough fries, whatever it is, it's in our nature to complain. And it seems like the internet is the best place to complain about some things. How many of you guys have ever complained about something on social media? Like you go to your Snapchat, you go to your Instagram, and you're like, hey, this is kind of messed up. So, of course, I've done this, you guys have done this, and so I went on the internet and I found a couple of my favorite people complaining about stuff on the internet. So let's look at the first image. So this is obviously Twitter. It says, yo, I ordered pizza and it came with no toppings, just bread. All right, go to the next slide. So Domino's, he said, okay, we're sorry about this. Please let us know how we can help. All right, so this guy's complaining. It's legit. All right, go to the next one. Never mind. Just open the pizza box upside down. 
All right, let's look at the next complaint. What is this guy going to be complaining about? He said, okay, wherever that is, I've been locked inside your store for two hours. Please let me out. That's something legitimate to complain about. If you're locked in somewhere, you go to social media and you complain about it, right? Let's see what they said. Oh, dang it, Tucker. All right. All right, that guy got free. Long story short, he got free. All right, the next one. This is my favorite. So, thanks for dinner, Taco Bell. All right, and Taco Bell, of course, replies. Sweet. What'd you get? All right. So this guy, he's not complaining or anything. So I know it doesn't sound like a complaint yet, but then go to the next one. <laughs> I got diarrhea, but it was worth it. Okay. So back to the topic. I know there are silly reasons to complain, but we all find ourselves trying to go to social media to complain about even little things. So while some of us are using social media to complain about um, some small things, whether it's dinner, whether it's getting locked inside of a store, or even some more serious stuff like the, the coronavirus or how messed up it is that graduation didn't get to happen the way it should have, or prom, or maybe you're going on there and you're complaining about what's going to happen with school. There are some people right now who are using social media to bring attention to much bigger problems going on in our world right now. So, little preface. Nothing I'm about to say in this sermon, it's not supposed to be political. I'm not trying to take sides. And I'm not going to tell you which side is right. I'm not going to tell you which side is wrong. But I just want to open up the conversation. I want to draw attention to the fact that there is unrest in our nation right now. And how we can look at that through a biblical perspective instead of the political perspectives that are so common right now. I don't want to look at those um, who's right, who's wrong. I want to try to look at it through God's eyes. And I want to look at what's going on in our nation right now through a biblical perspective. So I know you all, most of you guys have heard about this. um, But with the killing of George Floyd a few months ago, or I guess it was a few weeks ago, we saw our nation reach a boiling point, and we saw protests erupt in every major city across the country. There's no hiding it. I'm, I'm sure all of you guys know about it. Many of these are peaceful. Many of these led to rioting and looting. And again, I'm not encouraging you to take a side on which side is right, which side is wrong. I just want to get to the root of the problem and address that biblically. So right now, our nation is hurting in many ways. There's no denying that. And it is leading parts of our nation to want justice. Right now, we see on social media, like we just saw a couple of the silly things on social media, but right now trending on social media are things like Black Lives Matter and defund the police and things like that. You guys have seen them. And it seems like right now there are only two sides of the argument. So have you guys ever found you, uh, yourself in the middle of a heated debate? Like both sides, they were trying to um, prove that they were right, and they were trying to get you to join their side. Like you had two friends, and they were arguing about something, and they were trying to get you to go against the other friend. Have you guys ever found yourself in that situation? I have two friends, and they were roommates, and they argued all the time, and they always fought, and they always tried to get me to be on one side or the other. And I was always like, hey, I don't want any part of this. You guys just fight it out. And, of course, they would fight it out, and it was always got ugly. 
but I would never pick a side because they were both my best friends. And so it was hard to be on one friend's side and tell the other person that they were wrong. So right now, in every race conversation, you're asked to pick a side. You're either on one side or you're on the other. And so it seems like right now there's only two options in the, in the political conversation right now. It seems like you're either for the police and you're racist because of that, or you're not a racist and then you have to be against the police. It seems like those are the two options right now. If you want to join in the political argument, it seems like those are the only ways people are going to let you in. And the devil, he is the person who created sides. He uses sides to pit us against each other, to fight against one another, and to argue and to tear each other down. The devil, if there's ever a division, if there's ever a conflict, if there's ever two sides against each other, the devil is the person who creates sides. And so this division that has come come in our culture, especially whenever it comes to the issue of race. So if you just turn on your TV for five minutes, or even if you just open up Instagram, you just go to Facebook, even if you go to Amazon, you'll see this division at the forefront of the conversation right now. So the culture, they are creating an us versus them mentality. And I'm here tonight to tell you don't fall for the us versus them mentality. So in Joshua chapter 5, Joshua and the Israelites, they were making their way to the promised land. Let me give you a little bit of background on that. So Joshua and the Israelites, they were slaves in the nation of Egypt. And God, he told them, I'm promising you this land. This land called Israel, it is filled with milk and honey. So right now that would be like this land, it's full of Chick-fil-A and quick chips. Like you have everything you need and it is all a free gift and I'm giving it to you. You won't have any need. It's a free gift. And so God, he offers this land, and it's called the promised land because God is promising it to them. But there's one condition. The Israelites, they have to go, and they have to conquer the land because there's already people living in that land. And so the Israelites and Joshua, they are going into the nation, and it is very black and white. Every person they come in contact with, it's either one or the other. It's either they are with the Israelites, and they join them, or they're their enemy, and they have to conquer and destroy them. So... For Joshua, it was a very black and white question. He would see somebody, and he would be like, hey, are you an enemy or you're not? And if they were an enemy, the, the army, they would just go, and they would just demolish that person. Long story short, they destroyed all the nations. They conquered the land, and that land is now the land of Israel. But that is where the context is whenever we get to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, says, Whenever Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua approached him and he asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have now come as the commander of the Lord's army. Then Joshua, he bowed his face to the ground in homage and he asked him, What does my Lord want to say to his servant? So in Joshua chapter 5, an angel of the Lord appears to Joshua and he was prepar- as he was preparing for the battle of Jericho. A lot of people think that this is a pre-incarnate version of Jesus, that this is actually Jesus standing in front of uh, Joshua. That is an argument for another day. We can talk about that later. But basically, this is either God in the flesh in the form of Jesus standing in front of Joshua or it's an angel of the Lord. Either way, this person, this angel, this being is representing God. 
And so Joshua, he says, whose side are you on? Are you on our side or are you on the side of our enemy? See, Joshua, he was looking at it through an us versus them mentality. He says, are you with us or are you with them? And then God, the angel, he says, neither. I am the side. In other ways, that is what God is trying to say to us today. Everyone thinks that they are on the right side. Everybody thinks that God is on their side. See, the side right now that is protesting, they think that God is on their side because they are fighting for things like justice and equality. People on the other side, they think that God is on their side because they are fighting for justice and law and order. Everybody thinks that God is on their side, but God is not on either side because God is always the side. God doesn't take sides in political arguments. God is the side and God is the way. Because in God there is no division. There is unity. In God there is no conflict. There is peace. And the culture is telling us that we only have two options. That it's either us or them. That either one side is right. But just like Joshua, there is two options. And God, he begged Joshua to join God's side by choosing the third option. The third option is about honoring what we have in common with each other, which is the priceless value of God's image in which we are all made. We must align ourselves with God instead of people, and he will guide us toward peace and unity with everybody of all races. So in order to get this, we're going to do a little bit of an activity. If I can get everyone's attention back. Emily, you might be wondering, what does this have anything to do with social media, with taking sides? What does this have to do with justice? Maybe the verse that I'm about to read will help figure that out. So, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are all God's masterpiece. We are all God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Each and every one of you are God's masterpiece, created to do God's work. So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what some of those good works are that he created us to do. But before we talk about those good things that God created us to do, we're going to talk about you for a second. Yes, I'm talking to each and every one of you. So we started this conversation by reminding ourselves that you and I and everybody sitting beside us, uh, every person in this room, every person in our city, the people that we see on TV protesting and rioting, all the police and everybody in between, everybody on this earth is created in the image of God. We are all God's masterpiece. And as God's masterpiece, you were created with unique qualities and strengths and abilities and experiences that are all your own. Even the painful qualities. They are all important details of the masterpiece that God created you to be. And as God's masterpiece, you were not created to sit on a shelf, just to be looked at, just to sit around, just to kind of like whenever you go to a museum and you see a, a masterpiece of artwork, it just sits there. That is not the kind of masterpiece that God created you. you he didn't just create you just to sit and to be idle. God created a masterpiece in order to do good things on this planet. 
So the Bible has a lot to say about how the people of God are created to do good works. We are given a mission by God himself. And as part of that mission, we are commanded over and over again to fight to make wrong things right in the world. That is actually the definition of justice. Definition of justice. What everybody is fighting for on either side is the definition of justice is to make wrong things right. And that is what God is calling us to do as Christians, to make the wrong things in this world right. And there's very clear ways that the Bible commands us to do that. So one of the most well-known passages on Scripture on justice is in the Old Testament book of Micah. So Micah, he was a prophet of God. God would speak to Micah, and then Micah, he would stand up, and he would speak against the unjust rulers of his time. He would speak to the people, and he would tell them what they were doing wrong and how they needed to get right back with God. And so Micah, he said this, or God said this through Micah, in Micah chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. He says, what should I bring before the Lord whenever I come and bow down before God on high? Should I come before him with burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or ten thousand streams of oil? Should I give my firstborn for my transgression and the offspring of my body for my own sin? Mankind. He has told each of us what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. So back in those times in the Old Testament, of course, this is before Jesus, that everybody, if they wanted to have a right relationship with God, they had to go to the temple and sacrifice an animal. Because sin, the consequence of sin is always death. So they had to go and they had to kill an animal in place of their sins in order to get right back with God. And so the people, they got to a a formula, to a system. They thought that is the way to please God. That is the way to be on God's side. You just go and you do a few rituals, you do a few sacrifices, and then you're right with God. And so Micah, what he is saying there in verse 6 through 7, that's what he's describing. But it was very countercultural what he said next. He says, that is not at all what God requires. That is not what makes God happy. Instead, what makes God happy is whenever you live out your faith, whenever you do what you say you're going to do as a Christian, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. That is what it takes to be a true Christian, to actually please God. It's not just going and doing through the motions. It's not just showing up to church. It's not just singing the songs. It's not just opening up the Bible to read. It's not doing the sacrifices. It's living out what you profess to believe that Micah says that is what God is looking for. He's looking for a faith that goes outside of these four walls and actually makes a difference in the world. God is calling our, us to do something, to actually do something, not just to say something, not just to post something, not just to go around somewhere but to actually do something. That is what God is calling us to do. So if you want to do justice, do something. God invites you to join his mission. We all know it. There's so much wrong in the world around us. Sometimes it seems like everywhere we look, we see brokenness, we see tragedy, we see panic, we see riots, we see pain. Like you can't go anywhere, not even in Quiddy. You can't go to Country Mart, you can't go to Quick Chip, you can't go to Walmart without seeing pain and fear, and anxiety. It's on everybody's face. Just open up the news app. You can look on Instagram, you can go on Facebook. It is everywhere. And so maybe whenever you just heard me say that we have to do something, 
maybe instead of feeling motivated or inspired to go and change the world, maybe you felt a little pressure. Maybe you felt like that was just a little too heavy. Maybe you felt helpless and unsure where to start to do something. If that's you, there are two things I want to tell you to encourage you. And the first is that God is the miracle worker and not us. So God is calling you and I to join him on his mission of making wrong things right in the world. But ultimately, it is his mission. God is the one who makes wrong things right in the world. He is the miracle worker. And God, he wants us to join him on his mission so that he can use us to do amazing things. We join him on his mission whenever we act justly, whenever we love mercy, and whenever we walk humbly with God. Whenever we live out that kind of faith, God can use us to do incredible things. So how do we pick God's side? How do we join God on his mission? How do we pick the third option? There's two, two things. The first thing, it's real simple. I think I say it every time I preach. The first thing to do to join God's side, to choose the third option. Remember, it seems like there's only two options in the world, but God is calling us to do choose the three. The way we choose the third option, the first is by praying. God says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, he says, In my people who bear my name, if they humble themselves, if they pray and if they seek my face, and if they turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Right now, our land is hurting. Right now, our land is broken. And God, he promises to hear. He promises to forgive. And he promises to heal our nation. But only whenever we humble ourselves and seek his face. And so whenever we're talking about praying, that's more than just praying that 10-second prayer right before you eat dinner. It's more than that 10-second prayer that right before you go to bed. That implies getting on our hands and our knees and pleading for God to do something. Because whenever we humble ourselves, whenever we bring ourselves low and we seek God, he can and he will heal our nation. But it's going to take action from us too, because remember it's a partnership. God is the miracle worker. It's his mission, but he's asking us to join his mission. So the way we do that, second way, we pray Second is to love one another. The action that the Bible calls us to over and over again is love. And I'm not talking about like a Valentine's Day kind of love. I'm not talking about um, a romantic kind of love, a boyfriend and girlfriend kind of love. I'm talking about a sacrificial love that is from a person to a person. So Jesus, whenever he was talking in the Bible, somebody came up to Jesus. He said, hey, Jesus, what is the Bible all about? What is the greatest commandment in the Bible? Like if you just had to narrow it down just so it can obey one thing, how would you narrow down the whole Bible to one commandment? Jesus answered, he says it's simple. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. So you might be thinking, that sounds kind of easy. Like, of course I love God. I go to church. I read my Bible. I, I love God. That is easy. And of course I love my neighbor. My neighbor is my friend. We agree on all the same things. We talk all the time. We're good friends. We like one another. Of course it's easy to love my neighbor. I got those two down. I love God and I love my neighbor. But the neighbor that Jesus is talking about there is not just the people in this room. 
not just the people you go to school with. It's not just the people that you agree with on uh, Facebook and YouTube. The neighbor that God is talking about there is everyone. Everybody means everybody. It means the person that you disagree with the most. It means the person that you can't stand to hear them talk anymore. You can't stand to be around them anymore. God says that is your neighbor, the person who you think you can't love, even the people who want to kill us, even the people who want to tear down our nation. Those are the people that God is calling us to love. Everybody means everybody. And so whenever you ask, like, God doesn't really expect us to love our enemies, right? Like if they're trying to do something evil, like if they're Antifa, if they're a terrorist, if they're trying to kill us, God doesn't expect us to love them, right? He expects us to go and hit them with the Bible, doesn't he? Jesus, he already answered that question before we even had the opportunity to ask. In Matthew 5, he, heard, he said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Because, so Jesus, he always took phrases that people heard, things that in the culture that they thought were right, and so people always said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Like, that's the commandment, right? He says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, so he goes a step further. He says, you've heard this said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The only way that God can use us to make a difference in the world, the only way that we can pick the third option is if we make the deliberate choice to love to love despite color, to love despite race, to love despite political affiliation, to love despite no matter what the belief system is, atheist, Christian, Buddhist, doesn't matter, to love despite any difference, that is the way that God is going to call us to love. That is the way that we're going to change the world. Two things. Pray for God to heal our nation. Right now, our nation is at a tipping point. Pray for God to heal it. Two, love one another. Let me pray over you guys. Jesus, I thank you so much for these students. God, I thank you for entrusting their, their spirits to, to us tonight, God. God, I pray you just continue to speak to their hearts. God, I pray you let the scriptures that we've read resonate in their spirit. And God, I pray you just continue to, to bless us with your presence. God, I pray you just give us the boldness and the courage to step out and to walk the mission that you're calling us to walk. God, I pray you just let us understand what your mission is and how to walk in that. Holy Spirit, lead us step by step. God, I pray you just continue to lead us. Be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.